0: Welcome back to another edition of the Cats Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host and publisher, Justin Rowland. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate your feedback on the forums and social media. If you like our podcast, please be sure to subscribe at iTunes. Give it a good rating and share it with your friends however you like. A programming note uh, before we get started today. We're going to have a basketball recruiting podcast with our guy, David Sisk. And he's been all over the latest on that front. A lot, a lot of good stuff obviously happening as Calipari works feverishly on his next class, which is looking good, but right now, I'm happy to introduce Chris Clark of GamecockCentral.com, right here on the Rivals.com network, and Chris knows South Carolina football as well as anybody, he's covered the Gamecocks for a long time, he's been with Rivals for a long time, he helps us out every year, I mean, he's professional, objective, he knows the sport, the SEC, so Chris, thank you for joining us, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fine, Justin, always a pleasure to be on, appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks, um... When this line opened, Chris, uh, for this game, it was uh, South Carolina's a two-point favorite. I think there's been some movement on the line, but uh, I think a lot of Kentucky fans kind of took offense at that. Um, at, you know, I looked at the line, and I'm just like, okay, I get it. I mean, they're probably betting on Kentucky having a, a step back to what's reality for them, and South Carolina's got a lot of talent. These are two pretty evenly matched teams talent-wise. What was your initial take on the on the line?
1: I was a little bit surprised that South Carolina was favored. Um, You know, Vegas tends to – it seems like they tend to know things more than we do Uh, at times. uh, They they have their system down, but they're not always right. But uh, I I was a little bit surprised. Um, You know, just for the simple fact that South Carolina has not really uh, gone on the road and won a, a big game lately. Um, you know, they went to Vanderbilt and took care of business and really could have won that game even more handily than they did. And then you couple that with the fact that Kentucky uh, has all the makings and the look of a really good football team right now. What they did against Mississippi state was extremely impressive at home and they've really impressed the entire season from what I've seen out of them. Um, you know, I think, I think that there are some people, whether it's regionally, nationally or in the Gamecock fan base that. Um, I think extrapolated a little bit too much from South Carolina losing to a really good Georgia team. South Carolina didn't play well in that game. Georgia played very well. Gamecocks obviously didn't equip themselves very well. Um, a close loss. I think people would have understood more. If they didn't do that. They lost that game pretty handily. The second half, Georgia really dominated, and so um, I think people are just taking all those into account, um, and I, t- you know, taking some of them into account myself. Um, again, I, I, I really thought that Kentucky would be favored with it being a night game. I didn't take, you know, the streak or any of that into account. I just look at the two teams, and like you said, Justin, I agree with you. They are pretty evenly matched, and with it being a road game, with how well Kentucky's playing right now, you know, I, I would have thought they'd been a slight favorite, um, but I still think it's a game that is probably going to be a close one that could that could sort of go either way. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, Kentucky fans, South Carolina fans know that UK has won four games in a row in this series. For the most part, this, this isn't perfect because every game was different. But for the most part, I think that that's been because Kentucky has has matched up pretty well. And they've become kind of a line of scrimmage program. And while they haven't rushed for like 400 yards in any of those games against South Carolina, they have kind of set the tempo and played the kind of game that they want to play. Kind of controlling the ball enough, keeping South Carolina's offense off balance uh, and get a little bit of push on the line of scrimmage. Uh, so, I think for South Carolina to win this game, and I think I don't know if you would agree or not, but they're going to have to—they're going to have to have a good game at the line of scrimmage. There's a line of scrimmage league, and Kentucky's been good on both sides of the line. So, what's the state of South Carolina's offensive and defensive line coming into this game? Yeah, I
1: totally agree with you. Definitely going to be a line of scrimmage game. Um, you know, it, it's been interesting for the Gamecocks, of course. That, They're in the position of having played three games, not four, so we don't have the benefit of of taking the first third of the season, really. We've taken a quarter of the season, and, um, you know, to some degree, I I still think we're learning a little bit about this team. Again, the Georgia game was one in which, you know, South Carolina's offensive line actually played pretty well in terms of protection and run blocking. It was really... The backs, you know, that didn't do as good of a job. They they completely dominated Coastal Carolina in the run game. They dominated Vanderbilt on both sides of the football, which, to be quite honest, I, I didn't expect, especially with South Carolina's defensive line. Uh, Vanderbilt just had no answer against three- or four-man pressures and really couldn't get the, the run game going with any sort of consistency. I, I think Kentucky's offensive and defensive lines are, are far superior to what Vanderbilt put on the field, uh, to be quite honest. So, hmm. That makes it a much bigger challenge and then you've got you know benny snell who's going to be maybe the best back that south carolina's seen this season so far one of the better ones that they will see so um you know in terms of how the lines have stacked up look the the offensive line i mean south carolina returns a lot of experience there that's a position the gamecock fans have really been clamoring and and hoping for um improved play and and they so they move some parts around um, with Donnell Stanley to center, Zach Bailey back to guard. You know they've got some seniors there with with Blake Camper at right tackle, and then Bailey, and then Dennis Daly, and Cedarius Hutcherson. The right guard's the youngest one out there, but could could be the best one on the team in terms of just his upside and his potential. And they they blocked pretty well, and and they protected very very well as well. Um, and so. They've given Jake Bentley time. Of course, they're doing some new things offensively in terms of philosophy, and those have helped. Defensively, you know, Javon Kenlaw was co-SEC defensive lineman of the week last week. Uh, Vanderbilt had no answer for him. Um, he, he's a big physical presence. You know, they're missing DJ Wanham, which is significant for them. Uh, he'll be out for a little while longer. They're starting buck linebacker. But Bryson Allen Williams had a good game against Vandy. Uh, they're a little thin in terms of depth. Um, but I think some of the moves they've made moving Keir Thomas out to end, playing Kobe Smith, at defensive tackle alongside Javon Kinlaw, uh, really gave Vanderbilt a lot of trouble. And so th- they'll certainly be in for a challenge against Kentucky. But um, I think that's why it's going to be key not to slog through, you know, a long game where Kentucky's offense is on the field a lot. I, I-, I do think there's a concern about the depth. But they, feel, they seem to feel pretty good about the starters there along the defensive line, and the offensive line I think they feel pretty good about as well. Certainly we'll have a challenge with Josh Allen and all those other guys.
0: <laughs> we got to talk about the quarterbacks. We've talked about Jake Bentley for going on two or three years now, and I remember what, what we talked about last year. My take on Bentley is this, and tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, He stepped in two years ago, about the sixth or seventh game of the year. I think South Carolina was about two and four. He finished four and three. And I think because he had some success as a freshman, everybody kind of kind of looked at him as, well, he's part of this next big wave of elite SEC quarterbacks. And as some of the other guys, think about Nick Fitzgerald, you think about Drew Locke, some of the other guys have maybe gotten a little bit more national attention. I think outside the South Carolina fan and media bubble, uh, maybe Bentley started to become a little bit overlooked. So maybe the hype, it started out really big for him. And then over time, People have kind of forgotten about him a little bit, and I think that's a mistake. I mean, if I were buying shares on Bentley, I mean I would be buying shares. I wouldn't be selling them because he's been very consistent accuracy wise, yardage wise this year. It seems like he's had a good season. Is that is that true? As
1: and I mean, certainly I mean, Jake, the coaching staff, you know, they'd be the first ones to say, I mean, have there been some plays they've left out of sure. I mean, you know, that that's the case with any you go back and look at some of even some of the great quarterback seasons we've had in college football in the past several years there have been a lot of them i mean whether you look at i don't know just the first couple <clears throat> examples that came to mind were you know deshaun watson from clemson I, I watched him every year he was at clemson johnny manziel at a&m i mean those guys made mistakes too i mean <laughs> they had some mistakes they threw some picks that were you know, untimely and things like that, but they were great. And and I'm not putting Bentley in the, in the conversation with those guys. I'm just trying to illustrate the point that, you know, the quarterback mistakes, quarterback play is always magnified. I mean, he's, he's one of the first guys that's blamed when things aren't going well. Um, you know, if he's playing well, he's one of the first ones that, that get the praise. And so I think this these offensive changes that South Carolina has made, in terms of the philosophy, going a little bit faster – doing some more stuff in the RPO game, taking more shots downfield. I think those have benefited him because that's what he's comfortable playing in terms of style. We know he can make the throws. Uh, He can operate the zone read game. They'll they'll do that a little bit. Um, He can can scramble out of trouble and extend plays. So, I mean, look, has he had, uh, you know, just one of the best years in the country so far? I mean, I don't think you could say that, but they've only played three games, and I think uh, he's done what they've needed. Um, you know, you look at the Georgia game, that wasn't really a good game for anyone. A lot of people put blame on Jake Bentley because, again, he's the quarterback. But um, I think that was much more of a team loss than anything else.
0: As far as the health status of South Carolina right now, you mentioned uh, the the starting buck linebacker is out. It's going to be out for a little while. What's the uh, the overall injury report for the Gamecocks besides that going into Saturday night?
1: Yeah, Wanham will be out. Um or Trey Smith, who is uh, one of a uh, primary backup at receiver, who actually started a lot with Debo Samuel out last season. He, he actually has uh, a knee injury. It's sort of a, a unique knee injury. Been, it's a genetic thing that's been causing him a lot of pain. He'll actually have surgery. And so he'll be out not only for this game, but the rest of the season. Um, you know, Eldridge Thompson was a guy. He's a backup linebacker, um, which South Carolina's sort of thin there as well. He got banged up in the Vanderbilt game and was not mentioned today, um, so I'm not sure what his status was. He, he left the game, looked to be in a lot of pain against Vanderbilt and had a sling on his arm um, at the end of that game, and we haven't really received uh, any other update on that, so not sure if he'll be available or not for the contest. But uh, other than that, they're, they're fairly healthy. I mean, Wanham is the biggest loss, and then Ortre Smith is certainly a guy that uh, would have factor in at receiver with some with some backup snaps.
0: So, you know, I think people going into this game think that Kentucky, you know, we know what Kentucky's going to do. They're going to run the football. They're going to try to establish the run. They've had success running in the swamp. They had success... Running against Mississippi State, uh, what do you anticipate South Carolina's game plan uh, is going to be coming in? I mean, are they going to let Bentley sling it around? I think when, when you look at Bentley and you look at Brian Edwards and Debo Samuel, I mean, it's the best pass-catching, passing personnel that Kentucky has probably faced this year. So we don't really know how they're going to respond to it. What do you, what do you think the game plan is going to be? Well, and, and I'd, I'd loop in,
1: you know, Shai Smith is a guy that um, had a really good game against Vanderbilt, had an early touchdown catch, and is someone that they feel like they can get into some one-on-one situations, more attention being on Edwards and Samuel. And, you know, I think, Justin, that really ideally, and, and I mean this sort of sounds like coach speak and this is something almost everybody wants to do, but really they're going to want to be balanced. I mean, um, we've seen, uh, you know, going back to Kentucky's game against Mississippi State, Wildcats were able to just sort of tee you off later in that game. I mean, Josh Allen um, was like a one-man wrecking crew with just causing all sorts of penalties and getting to the quarterback. They just really didn't have an answer. And then when it got to where Mississippi State was in, you know, a late game, desperation, got a pass to score mode, they were able to do even more damage. And so South Carolina can't get into that mode. So they're going to want to be balanced. They're going to want to run the football, keep their defense fresh, And so, of course, when you go to the other side of the ball, that's going to be, you know, obviously anybody who plays Kentucky knows how they want to play, but so far they've been very successful doing it, and that's what good teams do. So South Carolina's task is going to be, you know, look, load up on the run, you know, play well up front, play with very good gap integrity, try to rally to the football, try to get Benny Snell down, and, you know, make the quarterback pass the football. Um, Now – Certainly, he can have some success in that regard. We know he's a runner. He can certainly run. They can do zone read stuff. But you got to pick your poison. And, and the one that they're going to try to stop and find the antidote for is certainly Benny Snell. Now, easier said than done. But I think that will be the game plan. You know, and offensively for South Carolina, again, uh, stay balanced. Try not to get in the third long situations when it's going to get loud in the stadium there in Lexington. Um, you know, try not to let – Stoops bring his pressure packages with Josh Allen and those other guys on a very, very experienced secondary that probably doesn't get talked about enough as well.
0: Chris, I want to ask you one or two more things, then I'll let you go. I appreciate you being so gracious with your time. Are there any younger players for South Carolina that have made an impact this year or that could make an impact on Saturday maybe Kentucky fans have not had a chance to see in past meetings? (laughs)
1: there are a couple that come to mind i mean one is going to be shy smith i mean he's he's just a sophomore this year he played a pretty significant role as a freshman but you'll see more of him because south carolina will probably play more three receiver looks or at least they have at many times this season um you know in terms of other guys offensively you know keel pollard is not a younger guy uh he's he's a junior uh, he's in much first recruiting class but um, he will play more. You know, Casey Crosby and Jacob August are going to be the first two tight ends, but Pollard will play a lot on special teams, and they'll put him in there as a pass-catching threat at times, too. He can play in the slot, can play as in-line tight end. You'll probably see more of him. Um, you know, defensively, J.C. Horn is certainly one. Uh, he's South Carolina's nickel back. He played a lot. Outside at corner when Rashad Fenton went down against Vanderbilt, he's, he's fine and will return, you know, for the Kentucky game. But uh, J.C. Horn is a former highly touted prospect out of Georgia who will be a starter in the nickel package. So uh, he's certainly another one to watch, too, who uh, Kentucky fans have not seen so far.
0: Very good, Chris. I guess the last thing that I'll ask, um, Kentucky has a very senior-laden team. It's an experienced team. I think that's one reason Mark Stoops was surprised that he had to kind of, he said, poke them to kind of refocus them after the Mississippi State win, and he said that was the first time that they've had that issue this season. Um, and I think it'll be interesting over the next couple of days to see how they respond, what kind of focus they bring in practice leading up to this game. What is the, what's the leadership, the culture like, the, the, the leadership dynamics like in the South Carolina locker room, and how does it seem like Muschamp has, has been pleased or not pleased with how they've approached preparation and just the mental side of the game, those intangibles that are so important? I think he's pleased
1: he he talked about that some actually just Tuesday press conference in terms of just you know he was talking about Javon Kenlaw and said you know that when he saw him Sunday after the Vanderbilt game I mean Kenlaw had an amazing game I mean he had multiple tackles for loss two sacks batted down a pass I mean he was just all over the place and uh you know much of him said instead of just congratulating I mean they take sort of the so what now what mentality you know and Um, Again, another sort of coach-speak phrase, but something that they they say a lot, players say. I mean, they say, so what, now what, and they talk about how every game's a season. And and that's something that a lot of people say, but they try to really take the mentality of, you know, when they lost to Georgia, flush it, move on, on to the next game. Try to see what you can correct, move on. You know, you beat Vanderbilt. It 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 was a very good, convincing win, but, you know, flush it. And move on to the next one so you know and and it came up you know do you talk to your team about the street that Kentucky has as some sort of motivation or revenge factor and he said no you know we really don't you just go back to you know how you prepare and so look these players are, are they aware of the street absolutely and if that can give them a little extra juice in terms of their individual preparation then so be it but we both know justin i mean when these teams get on the field uh, they're going to play hard to to win the 2018 football game you know you're not a receiver's not going to catch a pass and and while he's trying to focus on the football he's not thinking about what happened in 2015 or, or something of that nature i mean you go out there all that sort of gets flushed as soon as the game starts and you get in between the lines so um, I, I think that's the mentality they've taken they've had some some highs this season and they've had some lows already with the with the Georgia performance it wasn't what they expected but uh, I think everybody recognizes on all sides uh, that this is a big game and a big opportunity and that they just have to go out and try to prepare and, uh, play the best that they can because they'll need two to win.
0: Chris I really appreciate your time thanks for joining us man
1: all right Justin great seeing you
0: that was Chris Clark of GamecockCentral.com. I wanted to thank him for coming on. I do have a few additional notes on this edition of the Cats Illustrated Podcast. While you're listening, i got to pause and tell you about something that might have a lot of interest uh, to, uh, to you. It might be of interest if you're looking for a new home or even thinking about it. If you talk talked to your significant other about it at any point in the last few weeks, months, or even years. If you need to relocate, upgrade, downgrade, change your scenery, change your neighbors, whatever... We at Cats Illustrated highly recommend Steve Canfield of Canfield Realty. He will take care of you, and and I wouldn't be recommending him if I didn't think he was offering something great. Not only that, but he's got a perfect 5 out of 5 rating on Zillow with well over 100 reviews, a ton of experience, considered one of the top 10 agents out of about 3,500, I think it says on his website, in the Louisville area. But here's the kicker. If you make Steve Canfield your agent go through Canfield Realty, let him help you buy a home, you will receive a 40% commission rebate. It's 40% commission rebate. It'll make your home buying experience more affordable, less stressful. Pocket that extra money, put it into your new home, use it for upgrades, renovations, whatever. I wouldn't recommend him if I didn't think he would be a good fit as, as somebody to partner with us here, and he might be of interest to, to a lot of us at uh, Cats Illustrated. Dot com. So go to Canfield, Canfield Realty com. That's C A N F I E L D Realty Group.com. Or you can call them at 502 649 5687. That's 502 649 5687. And I wanted to get to a couple more Kentucky football items before this, this podcast uh, ends. On the recruiting front, I haven't mentioned Amani Gilmore or Brandon Eccles on podcasts before, but they are Kentucky's two commitments in the aftermath of that big win against Mississippi State. Brandon Eccles, of course, the junior college cornerback at East Mississippi Community College. Or I'm sorry, Northwest Mississippi Community College. Uh, he's the teammate of Torres Payne, the defensive lineman who's committed to Kentucky. He's also the teammate of Levante Epson, an offensive lineman that Kentucky is recruiting at the school. And first of all, let me say this: John Schlarman. You know what he's going through. I know what he's going through. Everybody knows what he's going through. It's not easy. The stress, the grind of a football season, plus the treatments and everything. He's also been responsible for, I want to say, three of Kentucky's commitments in the 2019 class. Payne, Eccles, and Eli Cox, if I'm not mistaken. So he's putting in the work. He was the lead recruiter for Eccles. Um... This is a guy that's important because Kentucky's going to lose a lot of guys in the secondary next year. That's why they recruited Dom Williams, who has not played this year from the last recruiting class. I'm not sure how much of a factor he's going to be later this year. Next year, haven't heard a whole lot about him, but they're going to need people to step in and play. I feel good about Tyrell Ajean. I feel good about uh, Yusuf Corker. I feel good about um, probably Michael Nesbitt, but there's not a whole lot of Devontae Robinson. Um, there's not a whole lot of depth there. So if Brandon Eccles could come in and play, um, that would that would go a long way towards helping next year's depth in the secondary. And then Amani Gilmore just seems like a perfect fit uh, for what Kentucky was looking for. When Nick Scalzo committed, I was hearing that it was possible that Kentucky could bring on a second quarterback, but they weren't 100% sure. Then when the job went to Terry Wilson, and I think it's kind of become clear that, that it wouldn't be a shock if Kentucky loses either Danny Clark or Gunnar Hoke after this season, uh, they're going to need to bring in a second quarterback for depth and just to give themselves a better chance of having a, a quality, SEC quality quarterback, assuming anything were to happen to Terry Wilson. But Gilmore is just a perfect fit. I mean, he complements Scalzo. Scalzo is more of a passer. Gilmore is more of a runner right now. I know Gilmore wants to be thought of as like a pass-first dual threat guy, but right now he's more of a runner. They're not going to scare each other off. They're both... I don't want to say under the radar because they're both three-star guys, but neither one of them is the kind of prospect that the other's gonna look at and say, well, I don't have any chance to to compete with him going into the program, so they're both gonna be battling it out from the from the moment they come in. I saw some people getting upset at the site because Gilmore has said he's gonna visit Southern, maybe some other schools, and Eccles has said he's gonna visit Houston. I respect y'all, I respect all of you, but listen, I mean I picked a school for something other than football, I told it in admissions Department. Yeah, I'm probably going to come here, but I still have some old schools that I want to see, so I guess they wanted a hard commit. I gave them a soft verbal, no exaggeration. Nobody cared, because the only people who care are fans, and I know that it's hard for fans, and you might be saying, well, don't commit if you're not ready, but I mean, this is a business, and there are gray areas, and there are hard situations. Sometimes, you know, it's it's not unheard of for schools to cut players loose once they're committed. Schools move on. Scholarships go away. Classes fill up. I mean, everybody is looking out for number one. Everybody's looking out for themselves. Recruiters looking out for themselves. Head coaches looking out for their classes themselves. Uh, prospects looking out for themselves a lot of time handlers looking out for themselves I mean it's a brutal process between all the friendly conversations the recruiting graphics the PR it's a business and, a, and it's a cold and an unforgiving one and I totally get guys want to leave those options open um, the bigger question is like Gilmore visiting southern like what does that say um, some people have asked like does that mean that there's like an academic concern if other schools aren't involved if he's keeping that southern option open I have no clue I mean, he did say that he, he wants to buckle down now and really double down on his schoolwork, but that doesn't mean anything in terms of details about where he's at. I have no reason to believe that he's got any academic problems. Um, he seems like a really great fit. He knows that the last two Kentucky quarterback uh, competitions have gone to the more dual-threat guy, and I think he's very attracted to that. He's drawn to it. He, uh, he feels like he throws a good deep ball. He wants to work on his short intermediate stuff. Um, He wants to work on his pocket presence, but if Terry Wilson stays healthy, um, Kentucky's going to have the luxury of bringing all of those guys along slowly, whoever sticks around and both these guys that are coming in. We will try to have a podcast. I'll try to have a podcast with David Sisk in the next couple of days and maybe also with Jeff Drummond previewing South Carolina uh, as we hear more from Mark Stoops. This week, as we get more practice reports, as always, keep it plugged into the House of Blue. Tell your friends. we got a 50% off uh, offer for new annual subscriptions. And once again, please subscribe. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Rate us. Get, leave us a good review if you, if you would be so kind. I always appreciate it. Appreciate you reading as well. Always love interacting with you at the site. Again, I'm Justin Rowland, and you guys have a great day.